Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Okay, there we go. Apologies to everybody. All right. Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you for joining the show. Uh, we have a wonderful first guest today, Mr. Paul McGillian. I'm going to be bringing him, here in, bringing him in here in just a minute. But first of all, I just want to go through the run of show today. So Paul is going to be the first guest, then we will be followed by Mr. Uh, Dean Devlin at uh, 2 o'clock this afternoon. So with Paul, I'm going to be uh, going through and asking him my questions. Then we're going to have a round of trivia. And then uh, we will be inviting everyone from the viewing pool in the YouTube live chat to come on and ask questions. You can do that right now. And I believe we have... Uh, Summer and Ian are in there today, so thanks, guys. I really do appreciate you being available. Um, and then after that, uh, I will take any questions from the audience after I let Paul go. And then from there, we will uh, we will have uh, the end credits as usual. So I think that that's pretty much everything that I have right now. But before we get started... If you like Stargate and you want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal if you would click the like button. It really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. Uh, please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops and you'll get my notifications of any last minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live because these talent are working again and um, so it's going to be... You know, we can't, we can't, sometimes work comes first before interviews, so I don't blame them. So uh, clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. And these clips are designed to relay specific moments from the show. So that's all I have for you guys. Without further ado, Mr. Paul McGillian. Hello, 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 Chiki. <laughs> How are you, my friend? I'm well, my friend. How are you? great i have my cup of tea i'm absolutely fantastic did beckett drink tea of course he did he was a tea Scotty. drinker he wasn't a, co a, a coffee drinker okay no it, come on he's a teetotaler <laughs> okay that's fair that's fair yes how are you well, how are things they, going up there <laughs> what's that how are things going up there? you're are you are you in um a vancouver I'm in the tundra of Vancouver. Yes. The tundra of Vancouver. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, we're up here. Everything's great. It's a beautiful fall day. We've got some lovely leaves blossoming. We, don't, we, we usually go like from summer right to rain. So we've got a little bit of a fall this year, which is really nice. Well, so, very good. good. And with COVID yeah. and everything else, you guys staying safe? We're, you know, we're getting to know each other really good. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know Toronto <laughs> is working again. Uh, have you started back or are you, you laying low for a while? Uh, no, no, I went back. I did a movie not too long ago. Uh, right. Vancouver seems to be picking up right now. Okay, which is good. Really good. Our numbers are quite low as far as the pandemic goes here, which we've done a really great job of uh, following all the protocols and self-distancing. And you know, our numbers are, you know, but for the whole province around roughly 100 and a change uh, a month right now. Hopefully it gets down lower. Um, for one of the bigger provinces, we're doing the best in Canada. So we're very fortunate, you know, which is great here. And Fingers crossed we find a vaccine sometime soon so we get to yeah, see hopefully. all the lovely people in person, you know? Absolutely. I really appreciate you being uh, one of my first guests on this show. I wouldn't have had it any other way. The, uh, the, the intent of this program going forward, and I've been trying to articulate it to myself, like how are we – how do I want to describe this to the talent that's coming on? And originally I was calling it like dial the gate as like the Stargate version of the archive of American television. And I I've been calibrating and I think really what this show is going to be moving forward is the, the oral history of uh, the Stargate franchise to anyone who wants to, um, to contribute to it. So having uh, your perspective is, is very important and I really appreciate you being here for us. Well, it's an honor to be on your show, buddy. I'm always a huge fan of yours, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. I want to step That's back. Your backdrop right now, I gotta say, it's so crazy that Wraith is. <laughs> he's coming for you, man. He's. <laughs> you made some moves a few years ago, and he's not forgetting. So, <laughs> um, I want to step back before uh, before Beckett because I'd like to have you on in the future to discuss specific episodes. But in this episode, I want to talk about an overview of you and your career and your heroes. Um, where are you from? Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and what made you who you are? Sure. Uh, I'm Paul Francis McGillian. Uh, I was born in Paisley, Scotland. Um, That's right. You know, uh, about 25 years ago. Uh, <laughs> but, but I was born in Paisley, Scotland. Grew up there. I'm one of seven kids. Six boys, one girl. Big family. Dad, yeah, yeah. My mom's a saint. Girls in the middle. So, uh, and all of us are born in the UK, except for my younger brother. He was born in Canada. We immigrated when I was about three years old. Uh, and then they had my brother Mike in Canada. My mom and dad. We lived in uh, the Niagara region, close to Niagara Falls area, uh, Niagara on the Lake. And then. Um, when I was 12, we moved back to Scotland for three years. My parents immigrated back with the four youngest kids. And I lived there from the time I was 12 till I was 15, close to Paisley again, a place called Barheed, if there's any uh, Scottish people out there. Um, and then we moved back to Canada again because, it, you know, um, the older, my older siblings, I was fine. I played a lot of soccer, as they call it in Scotland, football. So I was happy. But um, the older siblings, my brother and my sister, kind of really didn't assimilate. They're sort of Canadianized by that time. And uh, then they moved back to uh, Ontario, and my uh, mom and dad bought a fruit farm in Niagara on the Lake. Was it a, a work move, or was it a move to be near family? The, the back and forth. Or? I, initially, I think they wanted to go back. Um, They're missing the, the old country, um, and they wanted to open up a bed and breakfast. But uh, you know, oh. my dad ended up. My dad was electrician. He ended up working on the on the oil rigs in Scotland, up in the Shetland Islands, for a while. Um, and also, he had job opportunities back in Ontario, and then some property he wanted to get a farm and we, they end up going back and we got off our fruit farm and uh, they worked that for a number of years. My parents have been married for 69 years this year. My dad's 88 wow. and uh, my mom is 87. So, wow. Yeah. That's good. They still have the farm or do they sell it? No, they let the farm go after a while. They sold it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They live right beside my brother. So um, it, it. it's good, but they're doing great. They're, they're very spry for their age and, Usually they go to Cuba once or twice a year and they can't travel right now. And they can't, I can't even see them since Christmas. So we talk to them every day on the phone. 
Absolutely. And my, 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 my son talks to the, and my daughter, my son has a, a great little Scottish accent. So he talks to my parents, Scottish accents, very funny. <laughs> he turns it on when he's talking to them. Always. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> do you think that either the kids might become actors or do you not want them anywhere near that? Yeah. Um, listen, I'm not, uh, at this point in time, I'm not pushing them into anything at all. If they ask when they're a little bit older and they have an interest towards it or they're so inclined, um, I would support them of course. But uh, it's something I think they, they'll come up with themselves. I'm not going to force them into it. And at the same time, it's a very tough industry, right? I think you, you know, I always say to young actors, if there's anything you can do and you're really good at it um, and you're happy, do that. Mm. If you have to act, like I think acting is something, it's like, it's a passion. You, ha- you, ha- you have to really want to do it, you know, and because it's a tricky one. It's very hard on a lot of people. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens with them, you know. No plans right now, though. Yeah, they're really young. So I just met them. So they were adorable. Um, Who are your heroes, Paul? Who do you do you look at as saying, you know, when you look back, these are people or people I read people in my life who really established my identity? Well, my parents, for sure, you know, because they're so resilient. Um, Like I said, you know, several moves, having seven children, you know, and just watching how they maneuvered and made every one of us feel special in our own ways, you know, and it, it was amazing. I remember, you know, every morning my mom would have lunch bags lined up with all our names on them, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like that. One down the line after the other. Yeah, the line. And you know, as a kid, you just grab it and leave, right? You don't think, you know, and then she'd call for dinner. My mom would call for dinner and my, my dad was away a lot working and, and it, we, we'd run up there and grab it. You know, it was like a factory, you know, and, and you think about that as a, as a kid, you know, it seems my kids, you know, um, you don't go, Hey mom, that was a great lunch or what a, what a wonderful dinner. Thanks mom. But, but now I think about it, every day, just doing that and always made little, just everyone had something different in their lunch and little treats and stuff. So they're so special like that and thoughtful and, um, just very kind people, you know, so they've really, um, um, you know, made a big mark on me. And especially, you know, if you're talking about the, the role of Beckett, you know, he wasn't Scottish initially. And so I, um, you know, I sort of modeled him in some ways off my dad's accent, you know, and, and my Scottish sensibility that I learned from my parents and my, my relatives. So they're, they're big heroes of mine, my mom and dad, especially, you know. Do did you imbue Beckett with any with with pieces of them? Like, are they wear their hearts on their sleeves? You know, and any, they do, anything they like do. that. Um, my dad's a little more stoic, I think, okay. than Beckett is, um, and they're both very quite private people as well. But um, I think the the wonderful thing about the Scottish um, sensibility is it, it, they're very passionate people. So you know, you, you'll know when they're angry and you'll know when they're sentimental, you know, it's got that sort of fever to it. And that's what, that's what really um, drew me to that part and, and making him Scottish. You know, initially the casting director didn't want me to have him Scottish. He wanted me to play him with an English accent. And uh, I'm sure I've told you the story before, but for some of the people that haven't heard it and my agent called and said, there's a, a role in the new Stargate um, and they want you to have an accent and an international flavor yeah. So I read the sides and the sides, you know, in the pilot were, um, you know, Becky getting into the chair. I'm not getting that bloody thing, you know, and I just read it. I'm like, this guy's Scottish. I mean, he's like a, almost like I almost saw him sort of like a cowardly lion. You know what I mean? He has a lot yeah. of courage, but he's down there deep, you know, yeah. and I, he has to be pushed. I, yes, he needs to be pushed. But when it comes out, push comes to shove. He'll, he'll be there for you. Um, so when that happened, I was like, this is crazy. Um, I didn't do the Scottish accent. So my agent called and said the casting director at the time is Stuart Aikens, lovely guy. So what kind of accent is uh, Paul going to do? And she called me and I said, I'm going to do a Scottish accent. And she let Stuart know. And Stuart says, no, tell him to do an English accent. 
because no one will understand him if he's Scottish. I said, well, there are educated Scottish people. Not everybody sounds like they're in train spotting, you know? So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so he came in and uh, to the trailer at the time on the bridge studios, it was a, a, like basically a small trailer, like not very big at all. And one half was a waiting room and uh, like a paper wall, basically. And the other half was the audition studio. So all these people are in there and you can kind of hear what's going on. And I came in and he's like sort of persnickety. He's like, so what accent are you going to do? I said, I'm going to do an educated Scottish accent. And he's like, okay. And he, I don't think he was too pleased at first. So I did the first scene and he looked at me. He's like, that was good. <laughs> and then I did the second scene. He was like, let's do the last scene. Do the last scene. He goes, okay, that was good. Get out. And I was the first person cast in the show. You know, wow. and I, was to, I was supposed to be going to Spain for a film festival for a film I did. And I did call and said, they, they want to have you for Stargate. And then I'm like, great, but I'm going to Spain. She goes, well, you know, you have multiple days in this episode and you're going to have me in other episodes. I said, how many? We don't know yet. And I be, ended up being in 17 of the first 20, you know, so it was really. Uh, and that was not planned. It just the scripts needed you. Well, it was really that's very kind of you say, you know, and it was a nice opportunity. And I, I think. Uh, I tell a lot of young actors that, you know, you have to go with your gut sometimes, you know, if you really feel something, you feel passionate about it, you, you, you give my, I'll say, I give him a little piece of Polly, you know, and I walk away. And for me, that was a Scottish accent, you know, for, for Beckett and not only the accent, just the sensibility of, of, uh, of the Scottish people, you know, and I think Beckett wore that quite proudly on his sleeve. And to, to a fact, um, uh, when I initially got the character, I had um, uh, the Union Jack was on my shoulder. And I said, well, that's not the Scottish flag. And so they changed it for me. And, oh, there it is right there. <laughs> wow, perfect. Yeah, and I got, I got that after I did Beckett. You know, this is the flag of St. Andrews right there. So, um, you know, and, uh, and that, that was special. You know, it was an homage to uh, my, uh, my heritage. Well, absolutely. I mean, as an actor, you know, you are, by definition, a chameleon, you know, the, the, the best of you are. So, some more successful than others. Um, but... If you have an opportunity to bring more of yourself into a character, um, and but also, like you say, honor your heritage, it's going to yeah. come from a place of truth. And obviously, you know, the casting director saw that. Well, I'd like to hope so. You know, it was it was really uh, it's kind of a special moment. And then you get you know, and the first thing I said, well, can I play with the Scottish accent? He said, absolutely, they love they love that. So, and you know. Funny, funny enough, when we did the read-through for uh, Atlantis uh, up at the Bridge Studios, you know, I didn't know what was going on. And I ended up, uh, I was sitting beside Joe Flanagan and Rainbow was beside me and Rachel and everyone. And Robert Patrick was there. Right. And Martin, Martin Wood directed it. You know, he was yeah. there and all, you know, Brad and Robert and, uh, you know, John Smith and all the MGM people. It was quite, you know, something. But no one knew I was doing a Scottish accent. And Beckett has some of the first lines of the script. And I remember sitting there, we're talking, everyone's having like, you know, coffees and teas and stuff and some snacks. And then Martin's like, okay, shall we get to it? You know, and they're going to film it. And, and I'm sitting down a couple of, uh, Dory's go, okay. And Martin's like, okay, go ahead, Paul. And so I just, <laughs> so I started doing it. I'm like, you know, I'm not getting it, whatever the, you know, I'm not getting that. And I can feel everybody just look at me because we were talking before and I talked normally like this. And then I started doing the accent and Joe kind of leans, he's, he's like, is he doing a Scottish accent? <laughs> I was like, I go, that's right, me. Um, so it was really, it's a, it's a fun one, you know? Absolutely. Is this guy Scottish? Oh, Polly. Has anybody got a hair product? Yeah. She look good. Gotta love Joe Flanagan. <laughs> oh, gosh. Joe, we love you. Come on. Come on. Let's let's st step back. Did you know you always wanted to be an actor? If you weren't acting, what, what else uh, would you be doing? 
No, you know, um, I went to school. I did a physical education degree, and then I did an education degree. Oh. Um, and um, I, I always kind of wanted to be a teacher, you know. And I, I got an education degree, and I was teaching in Toronto a little bit. And at that time, between degrees, I started taking acting classes. I started. Uh, I met a girl, um, as one does, and uh, she was an actress. And you know, and uh, I was doing. I started doing some commercial work and stuff like that. And I started taking acting classes, and I started getting more parts. And I seemed to. I started really enjoying it, and I started studying more and more. Quite into doing a lot of plays, started doing theater in Toronto, and it just kind of went off from there. And then I, I was offered. Uh, we call it supply teaching in Canada, substitute teaching, possibly oh. um, in uh, elsewhere in the world. And so I could still pursue my acting. And then I got offered a full-time teaching job, quite a few of them actually. And I just turned them down because I said, you know what, I got to give this a try. And, and my parents uh, being, you know, Scottish and worrying about their kids, of course, my dad's of like, yeah, did you get a teaching job? I said, well, I was offered a, a couple teaching jobs that he's like, of course, take. did you take it? I said, no, I didn't. I want to pr- pursue the acting. And he's like, you know, teach or teach for God's sakes, you know? And I said, but dad, you always told me, whatever you do, you're going to make sure you love it. And he goes, all right, fair enough. I did say that. So then I moved out to Vancouver and I remember getting parts on the X-Files and it was a very popular show at the time. Right. And I'd call up to my parents and I'd say, um, dad, he goes, Janet, it's Paul on the phone. How you doing, mate? And I said, well, are you getting any parts? I said, I got a part in the X-Files. He goes, that's a popular show. Very good. He's on the X-Files, Janet. Fantastic. How much money do you make doing that? He told me, he goes, that's bloody great. The acting, that's great stuff. <laughs> so they just want to make sure you're taken care of, right? Essentially, you know, and which I can't blame them. I want oh, the same for my kids. Absolutely. But at the same time, there are a few jobs more important than teaching, you know? Oh, absolutely. Listen, listen, I, uh, I, you know, some of the, the best lessons in life are some of the, my, my, my favorite teachers, you know, I've learned from, you know, Maurice Charbonneau was a teacher I had in high school. And it's just, mm. I always remember him fondly, you know, Mr. Pryor is my English teacher. Just they, they make impacts on you, certain people, you know, and I'll say that best teachers make the best impact. And sometimes the worst teachers, you learn lessons, what not to do as a teacher. Also, I, I that's said, correct. You know, I'll never, you know, Absolutely. I'll never teach that. And I still mentor young actors. You know, I have a couple of kids younger in their twenties that I sort of mentor right now. And I, I, I'll coach some, some kids in acting a little bit here and there, but, uh, uh, it's. I don't regret not not doing it, but uh, I have a lot of friends, of course, that are teachers. That I went to teachers' college with, and uh, yeah, I admire them greatly. I mean, it's it's a, it's a tough job, and it's a, it's health healthcare and education are the two most important things, in my opinion. So, mm. you were in the first season of SG One, yeah, Ernest Littlefeld, yeah. um, great character. Uh, yeah. We we lost. I forget the the name of uh, of the. King uh, Curtis. King Curtis, thank you. We lost him a few years ago. Yes. Uh, SG-1 was still young. So you've uh, had the opportunity to work on two Stargate shows when they were both uh, in their relative infancy and really in their infancy, brand new. Uh, tell us about being cast for Ernest. Well, it was it was really uh, it was such a lovely part, you know, and he really was Ernest. You know, the character was yeah. very Ernest. I look back at that episode, I'm, I'm a baby, basically. And it was an episode called Torment of Tantalus, right? Jonathan Glazner uh, directed the episode. And it's funny because Martin Wood directed a second unit on it. And the cool oh. thing about that episode was um, Ernest was the first person to ever go through the Stargate. Did you know that, that? Yeah, based, based on the, this, the information presented by the series at that point, Origins changes that yeah. up later if you consider Origins right. canon. But yes, in we terms of SG-1, Ernest was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If it was the first one to go through the, the gate and, and I got fitted for, you know, the vintage clothes was really cool. And then the deep sea diving suit that they, they thought know, it was water. 
yeah. yeah. What amazing to go through that, you know, and, and to be fitted for that and everything. You know, it was, it was quite, quite a, a, a great episode. And and King Curtis was a phenomenal actor, rest in peace, you know. Um, and to, to play, you know, the young version of him and later on he comes back. And it was such a sentimental, beautiful episode, I thought. And I, I, many people love that episode. And the interesting thing about that, being in Vancouver, um, I, I get on the show and you, you, you think you do a good job. And I felt really good about it, you know, and people liked it. But then I started seeing all my friends being on Stargate SG-1 and they would come back and play different characters and come back and play different characters. And I'm like, well, why can't I come back and play a different character? You know what I mean? When it, I mean, there were so many seasons going on. And then when I got cast in Atlantis and Martin Wood was directing the episode, I said, Martin, you directed the second uh, unit on the, he goes, yeah, that's right. And, and I go, can I ask you a question? He goes, I go, how come when you never brought me back on the show? We never got back on the show. And he goes, have you been to a convention yet? I said, no. And he goes, oh, okay. I go, what, what does that mean? He goes, you were the first person to go through the Stargate. I mean, it's a very, inter, very, you know, pivotal character in the series. I said, really? And he goes, you haven't been to a convention yet? I said, no, why, why do you keep on saying that? He goes, because, you know, the fans, they know everything about the show, right? And, and you'll learn that. And really, I did. I had no idea the following the show had at all. And, you know, and, uh, you know, to all of the actors in the show's benefit, I mean, the fan base is massive. And what an opportunity to travel all over the world and meet all these wonderful people at these conventions and um, and share stories with them and, and see the you know, the common bond being Stargate. You know, I also say some people watch football, some people watch basketball and some people watch sci-fi, you know, and, and Stargate uh, brought so many people together. I still, well, when there's conventions going on, I see families that the kids were like babies. I held them and now they're taller than me and I'll still see the whole family go to the convention still, you know, they're still watching. And, yeah. And they still watch together and they miss the show and they love it. And it was a show that people, families could watch together, you know, and, and as an actor, having that opportunity to be part of that is uh, a real blessing, you know, and it's, uh, it's something I'll always cherish and never take for granted. Are people just... 17 seasons of Stargate, and people are... If you're, if you're on the Facebook pages at all watches, like, oh, I've started my rewatch again. What is the magic elixir? Why don't people move on, in, in your estimation? You know, I, I think what it is, it's a show, it's basically a show about pure escapism, you know, and obviously the gate's the star of the show. And 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 like everybody else, for me, when you're getting, every week we get a script, I couldn't wait to see it because I want to see where we're going or what planet we're on or, you know, what, who we encounter, you know, and it's it's always, it, it's the mystery of the unknown, I think, and, and that's the beauty of it. And and obviously the writers are amazing, you know, Brad and Robert, you know, mm. helmed it and and brought in an amazing crew of writers and I think a terrific cast and SG one really, you know, set the mark for mm-hmm. us, you know, and, and, and it, it is a show about escapism and, and you get to really know the characters and I think everyone's unique and they really rotated the episodes around. So we got each character have an opportunity to flush the characters out, you know, each episode, I mean, sorry to shine. Yeah. And for me, you know, in season one, it was uh, poisoning the well, I think is when uh, that was an episode that really came to heart for me. And I think in, in many ways, uh, during the pilot, uh, Martin asked me if I go up to the writer's room and speak to uh, a writer named Damien Kindler. And I, I'm like, why? And he goes, oh, because there's a big Beckett episode in episode seven, I think it was. I'm like, really? So I'm thinking, because I was just a reoccurring character. I'm like, wow. Um, okay. So and so I went up and talked to him and he, is, he, he has a bit of a Scottish background. And, and we talked a bit about, you know, the Beckettisms, you know, the Scottishisms, because at, at first they didn't write him as a Scottish character. So 
I had a lot of liberties, you know, adding little things and, you know, instead of like wee baby turtles, you know, instead of little baby, you know, things like that, that I would change and, you know, obviously make sure it's okay with the writers, but they give me liberties in that sense, but only to enhance the, the, the character and the script, you know, and you, you really embody the character that way and having an opportunity to flush out a big episode like that was sort of, I think, a test for me as an actor to see if you can carry an episode, you know? And after that, you know, halfway through the season, um, they let me know that they wanted to make me a regular on the show. And I was like, yes, thank you. So it was really cool. Absolutely. Something was working with that character, you know? Unfortunately, we, we lose some and, and, and we gain others based on, you know, what's what's working in the in the mechanics of the show and what the what the what directions the writers want to take it. So course, that's really yeah. cool. What uh, of the Atlantis cast, uh, who would you look forward to, to working with the most when you would get the call sheet for the next day? It's like, who would make you say like, okay, this is going to be an interesting day, or this is going to be a fun day, or this is going to be a well, long day. Honestly, <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone had their, their thing, you know, um, I'll just go down the list. I mean, obviously I love working with Tori. I think Beckett and, um, and we had an interesting dynamic as there well. There was a sensibility and, between them. Yeah, almost like brother sister, you know, a certain way. Um, and obviously with David Hewlett, we had a, a great dynamic, you know, like, uh, like you know, sort of the odd couple in certain ways. But um, our, our just our, our timing and our sensibility, you know, they're like best friends, you know what I mean? It was very, and, 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 and equal, you know, unlike those Linka, you know, McKay relationship where there's a bit of a hierarchy there. Beckett was like, you know, sort of his, equal but in the yeah, medical they, you know. they gripe like roommates yeah yes yes and that's the thing and then all uh, like everyone had their own thing i love working with rainbow as well he's so fun you know mm. and, and rachel we we just tease her mercilessly you know it was amazing and then obviously when jason came in the show we have we'd have a blast and uh, you know just everybody had their their moments and i honestly uh, any chance we had interaction with all the cast together it was fun you know and be able to do things dave and i had a certain chemistry that was undeniable i think and you know um rodney yeah that's why he uh rodney cheeky bugger <laughs> but uh yeah it was, honestly it was it was so much fun that uh there wasn't anyone i was like oh god i have to act with him you know yeah. um it was always it was always a pleasure you know it was always really fun and and it, it different different relationships with each character so it made it just mixed it up it made it very interesting i think the writers were really great at that you know and like i said they gave everybody their opportunities to shine and that was uh the beauty of it you know and that's uh, a testament to to good good writing and and really flushing out storylines you know and the writer's room was really clever i watched um you die obviously um thank you very much for that my um (laughs) (laughs) my favorite episode is sunday um not because we lose you, but because of the of a couple of reasons. The, 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 the catharsis of, of that show is is very strong. And I think uh, I think that episode strikes a balance of Atlantis where I, I think it connects with something very, very pure in the human spirit. And certainly, you know, lets the the Scottish nobility shine for sure throughout the whole throughout the whole um, uh, climax. It's like, you know, this is. Yeah. This is who this guy was, you know. I will lay my life down to to save someone's life. Um, and then Jewel came in, and mm-hmm. Jewel, uh, you met in a previous episode uh, yeah. where she was playing Elia, a wraith, uh, and yeah. she ended up she ended up taking the mantle. Was that yeah. 
was that strange? I mean, you, cause you guys were friends at that point, weren't you? Because oh, yeah, a, yeah. you had met her at a convention, didn't know who she was. I'm going to let you tell the right. story, but <laughs> yeah, we met at a convention. She played this character, but I never knew what she looked like because she basically looked like a bug the whole time. And I'm like, Oh, that poor girl. I have no idea what she looked like. And then we're at Dragon Con and we were in the green room and somebody came up and said, Oh, Jewel state. And I'm like, who? I, I yeah, kind of, you know, you meet so many people on the show and of right. course the name rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah. Rings a bell. She would like you, she wants you to wait here. She's going to be up here shortly. I'm like, okay. okay. And you know, I was single at the time. And <laughs> right. uh, you know, so Jules shows up and she's beautiful and she does not look like a bug anymore. And she's like, Oh my God. Hi Paul. So she, cause I talked to her on the show quite a bit, but I have no idea what she looked like. She gives me a big hug and she's let me get you a drink. I'm like, what am I being punked here right now? What's going on? You know? And she's like, great and then a couple minutes into the conversation she goes you don't know who i am do you i'm like no sorry and she's like i played i'm like oh my god that's you and it was amazing we we hit it off and you know and jewel's amazing we're like she's she's like a sister to me like we're great i am cedar wedding and i'm having lunch with her this week we're very close so when jewel came in you know people often ask that i mean listen things happen in, in in this world you know uh that you have no control over and that was one of them you know and I, in the episode Sunday, uh, when they let me know they're going to kill the character off, and obviously I was very you know, shocked by it, and I think everyone was. But, you know, um, they wanted to make an impact, so to speak, you know, pun intended with the exploding tumor. But, and I think they certainly did in the show with killing yeah. off the main character. And then, you know, with the good fortune of the fans, they ended up bringing Beckett back later on. But I also I all said to them, okay, if I'm going to do this, I, I want to knock the episode out of the park and, and really respect the character and I, you know, worked hard on it. And I mean, the scene at the end with Roddy and I on the, on the deck, is just, uh, you know, very sad and sentimental scene. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't watch the episode for a few months. I didn't, and I remember watching it with my brother and it brought a tear to my eye, you know, it was, it's very well done and very sad. Martin Garrow and was people come up game. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Martin was on, on his game. People come up to me and, and they're mad, you know? And why did you kill your character? I'm like, I, I don't know, you know? Um, and he said, killing Beck is like killing a puppy. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but um, but you know, they, it, we, we got a reaction from everybody. And I think it, it served that purpose. And then, you know, thankfully um, they decided to bring him back, you know, which is really, and I, and I said, how are you going to do that? And it's like, it's sci-fi, you know, Joe Malazzi told me, you know, we can do anything we want, you know? And, and he told me the concept of through Michael and the whole thing, it was very ingenious. And it was a pleasure to come back onto the show, you know, as well. Um, as far as Jewel taking over the character, I mean, she's a wonderful actress and, you know, um, obviously very different than me in, in the role, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's, it, it was tough for her to come into um, Beckett's shoes, but, you know, she is such a pro and she flushed the character out um, in her own way. And, you know, and I think the, the people loved her for that. Yeah, she has a harder edge to her. And she was yeah. very deliberate and like, you know, she didn't want to be like Beckett. And there's no reason to do something that had already been done at that point, no. you know? And so it was, that was a very interesting change. And I, I loved her dynamic and what she added to the show. So, yeah, you know, just a very different character. So, right, absolutely. And then you got yeah. to come back and, and do scenes with her. So it was perfect. Yeah, which is, it was amazing. And I think that there's something fun about them, almost like they're, they're like the medical team now, you know what I mean, in a certain way, which is a really special part. And to be able to you know, act with Jewel is just a, a pleasure, you know? Would you be game for... So Brad is working on a, a fourth Stargate series. I'm just going to start calling it SG4. Um, would you okay. be game for returning as Beckett or as a new character for that? 
Oh, of course. I mean, you know, I think you, you got to come back as Beckett. You know what I mean? And uh, or I would think anyway. Uh, absolutely. You know, if, if it works out, that would be great. I, I would love to come back and reprise uh, the role on Stargate, uh, of course. Uh, it's such a fun show to do. I mean, I think that's why people miss it so much, you know. Um, and as an actor, it's such a pleasure to, to dive into that world, you know. And it's, it's, a, it's a role that is, like, ingrained in me, you know. So uh, it wouldn't be hard to, to jump back on that bicycle, that's for sure. So, you know, if, if, if the opportunity arises and uh, presents itself, and I would, it would be an honor. We can all hope. We can all hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm giving a little feedback. Oh, that's gone. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Uh, do you want to play some trivia before we invite the f- fans to ask their questions? Okay. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I've sent Paul three questions for him to ask me. And uh, he's got uh, three questions on my side that I'm going to ask him. So let me know when you've got those pulled up. Am I going to ask you first? Whatever you want to do. Uh, how about I ask you first? Because you're probably well. Or we can go back and forth. Okay, let's go back and give forth. Give me let's... your your easy question. I'll give you the easy question. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you. None of them are easy for me. I'd say that. Right now. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Some days I do good, and some days I suck at this. So it's going to be well, interesting. You know, I know. To see. You know, I, I got a feeling well, someone who has a giant race behind him is going to be better than me. <laughs> you know. So. Okay. The, this is apparently the easy question. Okay. In Hide and Seek, Atlantis Season 1, Episode 3, um, was Jinto in that episode, I believe? He was, and Wex. Yeah. yeah. And you know what's funny about him? Um, uh, we had this little thing, uh, just a segue for us. Yeah. His name uh, was Jinto. It was Christopher Heyerdahl's son, right? Jinto. His yes. Name was. And, and David and I, Hewlett, we, we do this thing. And then we just, everybody started doing it. We'd be like, Jinto. And was like, where's Jinto? Where's Jinto? Jinto. Come and and the kid that was playing it, uh, he'd run over right really quickly and be like, "Jinto!" It was became this thing. We started doing it all of the time. It was very <laughs> if he was on set. <laughs> yeah, on set. Yeah, he was like, "What's going on here?" Anyway, here's my question for you, my friend. The easy question is, okay, hide and seek episode three, season one. What horror movie story did John promise to tell the Athosians kids? He pulls out his bloody knife. I mean, is that? Is that Halloween? It's it's um it's Mike Myers, right? I think you're on the right. Uh, no, no, no. Pulls out his bloody knife, and he's got a ski mask. Isn't that how? Hall- that's not Halloween. It's not Halloween. Um, oh. what, the answer I'm seeing here is well, there's a hint. This is not the only time this particular horror movie is mentioned on Atlantis. Mentioned in the fourth season episode, Doppelganger. Yeah. Shepard compared himself to the central character in the film question. So it's after not Mike learning Myers? That he, no. Okay. Uh, learning that he has been the antagonist in several people's bad dreams. Freddy Krueger? And the movie? Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Bingo. <laughs> yeah, but he, talked, he references a hockey mask. Freddy Krueger doesn't have a hockey mask. I know, but the answer I'm seeing in the question is a nightmare on Elm Street. But I think I know I know you're talking about because he does have a hockey mask, right? Right, because Jinto asks, "What's a hockey mask?" Hmm. So this guy, it should have been Halloween, not a nightmare on Elm Street. I think, yeah, I'm going to have to check with my trivia person because I, I think, think there's a glitch in the matrix. This is not the first time this has happened, the, uh, but it, it's making it interesting. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ask me something easy. <laughs> easy. In Sunday. 
What was Beckett trying to get people to do with him on his day off? Come on. Dude. Um, go for a pint of Guinness. Um, <laughs> go fishing. There you go. You you wanted the easy one. That's the easy one for you. They get they get progressively harder. Okay. My <laughs> medium question for you. Okay. From the episodes uh, Childhood End, Atlanta Season 1, Episode 6. Yeah. What age did the children commit suicide? 25? It's either 24 or 25. I think it's 25. 25. You got it. 25. Is it 25? Yep. Okay. That's the medium 25. question? Okay. That's the medium question. Good for you. Interesting. The medium question for you, sir. In the flashback scene in Torment of Tantalus, what is Catherine Langford hoping Ernest Littlefield will discuss with her father? Marriage? Yes, that's oh, right. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> it took a minute. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny. Yeah, we're sitting by the fireplace, I believe. That's yes, exactly. And they were talking about alternating and direct current. Mm hmm. For the Stargate. Okay. Okay, you get your hard one here. Yeah, this is crazy. If you get this, I mean, wow. Okay. What was the name of the high priestess from the episode Sanctuary? Atlanta season one, episode 14. Uh, Chaya Sar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> nice work. I don't know what her, what her like, ancient, she had another name, like, as an ancient, I don't know what that was, but I remember Chayasar. So that's crazy. Good for Interesting. you. Interesting. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Let's get on. You know, um, Stargate Jeopardy. <laughs> right now, I, I mean, we're a few more games are in development for the show, but we're gonna. I mean, we got to get our feet wet. All right. Your hard question, Mister McGillian. In letters from Pegasus, it is revealed okay. Beckett gave his mother ointment for oh. what? Fungus on our toenails. That's right. <laughs> wow. wow. That's specific. Good for you. Well, I just remember because it was such a funny, um, that was a very funny scene, you know. Hey, hey, fungus on your toenails, for God's sakes. You know? And it was such a funny thing um, to have. And I had that scene on my demo reel for a little while because of that, that, you know, I'm not doing it. You know, I, I just love that scene. You know, it was really. Absolutely. Oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And Rainbow lot. is in that scene, too. Yeah, Rainbow's filming me. Yes, and I love, I love that. Uh, and his reaction is amazing. He's super talented. He, he just watched me. Like, like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Absolutely. Who submitted those questions to us, uh, Paul? Does it say in that sheet there? Uh, who, who uh, came up? A fan came up with those questions. I want to give them. Oh, credit. really? Okay, let's give them credit because they were very good. Especially his um, trivia questions submitted by Max Becco. Thank you, Max. Appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Max. Very Absolutely. good. I answered three of them. I can't believe it. I we did better than I thought we would. So yours are harder than mine, I think. <laughs> well, I well then I will I will improve my game next time, sir. Would you have gotten the fungus on the toenails? Would you have gotten that? No, I wouldn't have. Oh. Because I wow. I had I had to look it up and see what it was. Oh, wow. I remember that it grossed forward out, and yeah. I I. It was an ointment for something is all I remember. And I was like, yes. what was yeah. that for? And I had to look it up. So, yeah, And Good I love that you. episode because it, you got little pieces of everybody in it, you know, and showed a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the humanity behind them, you know, each it's character. A, and I, it is I a clip that. show, but it's it's a brilliant episode at the same time. Yeah. So um, 
So I'm going to turn them over to the fans. At a few months, Great. I'd love to have you back to start talking about like poisoning in the well and a lot of these other episodes, sure, these course. ethical dilemmas. So I appreciate you. Um, so Darian West, question for Paul: Which Stargate? I, I, I kind of asked this, but I'll I'll, ask, I'll let him ask. Uh, what Stargate actors did you have the most fun working with, and why? Well, I mentioned you know I mentioned uh, you know all of them in, in different ways. You know we 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 would tease like uh, we all tease uh, Rachel a lot, and she has such a good sense of humor, so we love working with Rachel. And um, you know, and David and I had such a great chemistry, so it was really fun to work with him. You know, we, I also look forward to our scenes, and also because we just challenge each other too as actors. You know, and it was very very challenging. Um, and you know, um, like like I said, all of them had their own little special moments and. And it was always fun. You know, there's a couple of scenes, a couple of things in particular. I remember um, working with Joe in the episode. Uh, oh, Lucius is in there. Uh, you Irresistible. Know, what, what, irresistible. Or irresponsible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's the first, first one. one it's irresistible. I love that episode. Yeah. And so I was crying in the puddle jumper a little bit because it I missed Lucius. Me. And so in the, in the episode, um, when we're shooting it, there's a really funny scene in the puddle jumper. He kind of punches me, right? And he goes, buck up, Carson. You know, punches me. I'm like, ow! You know, but what happened, it kept on going. And so I was like, I told Joe, I'm like, I said, oh, my, my nose is running, Jermaine. See what you mean? And, and I made Shepard take a tissue and blow my nose, you know? And I was like, mm. And I did it. It was really funny. But they cut it out because the episode was running long. Uh. It was so funny. And it was, to me, that was hilarious. But I will tell you one really funny thing that I had to do. It wasn't on the show, uh, on camera, but Rachel was going to have her first child, right? Yeah. And and she was pregnant in the show, and she was playing the Wraith uh, she played a Wraith Queen, right? When she was in the makeup? Yeah. Yeah, the Queen, season five. Yes. Right. So yes. she was really pregnant at the time, right? Okay. And she was going to have the baby eminently. And all the girls in the makeup trailer were making these um, um, be- a beautiful book for her. And everyone was writing stuff in the book and you know, really lovely stuff. And, and they kept on saying, Paul, what are you going to do? You know, I, gotta, I think something good. I got to think something good. And so. Rachel had kind of shorter hours at the time because she was, you know, yeah. they, they were working hard, right? They were working, So yeah. she left and said, I got it. I got it. So Jason Momoa is there. I go, you got to help me do this. And he's like, great. Rachel had an amazing stunt double look just like her, right? Uh, amazing. So what happened is when, when Rachel left, I got all of the stunt doubles wig and everything. Um, Rachel's outfit, the pregnant belly. I put it all on. The girls did my makeup like Rachel. Okay. Did you know this? And I so I got Jason Momoa and I got Rachel's fighting sticks and we did a photo shoot. Um, I can't remember who took the pictures. That's so funny. I can't remember who took the pictures. Anyway, we went out there and I'm fighting Jason as Rachel in this makeup and I had the sticks and everything. And then I go into her trailer and I said, Mama's tough. And I took a picture of her fighting with Jason and then Mama's sexy. And then we're we're on. I'm in Rachel's trailer, lying on her bed with my hand like this, and, and Jason's there beside me. And then and then um, Mama's drunk, and I took a bunch of stuff from craft services, and I had to like uh, get some empty beer bottles and stuff, and I poured chips all over my pregnant belly, and all these different pictures of me, you know, and you know, Mommy's sensitive. I'm crying, you know, and I, I so I took all the pictures and put it in the very last page of her book, right, and all these captions in it. 
And so the next day, Rachel comes in and Rachel's very sweet and she's hyper pregnant. So she's really sensitive. So she's going through the book and I'm, I make sure I'm scheduled at the same time as her. I'm like two chairs down and I can hear her and she's going through the book and, and she's like, Oh my God. Oh my God. She has Kleenex. Oh my God. You guys are so sweet saying, Oh, you're going to be the best mom ever. And I'm like, Oh, Rachel, she goes, shut up, Polly. And she's making fun of me. And she's going through, Oh, she's reading all these different things from people. She keeps on reading. She keeps on reading and I'm waiting for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And she gets to mind. She's like, <laughs> And it was the best reaction. <laughs> so good. So good. And I, I'm like, yes, I got you. And she was dying. It was so funny. And I still have those pictures somewhere. Which I oh, you not, do? Yeah, <laughs> she I tore them out and gave them back to you? <laughs> yeah. uh, we may have to get them in a few years, uh, depending on how long this goes. <laughs> yeah. Romaine, T-H-B-L-T. Romaine Thbolt. Romaine Thbolt. Romaine? Romaine. And then it's all in one word, T-H-B-L-T. I'm sorry, man. I, uh, yeah. Okay. Romaine, question for Paul. What is your take on the wee turtles, the wee bit turtles versus wee bit tortoises? Um, I don't know about the tortoises, but the wee baby turtles. Um, I love that aspect, having the baby turtles. It was so cute. The turtles. You know? I probably killed them. The wee baby turtles. And Rodney, I'm sorry, Rodney, you can watch the turtles afterwards, you know, when I was leaving, you know, it was so sad, <laughs> but it was such a sweet thing. The funny thing about that, I mean, listen, I loved having the fact that Beckett had these little baby turtles. It was just another little character thing about him, you know, and uh, I think he was such a sweet guy, you know what I mean? And he had these wee baby turtles, but um, people started giving me turtles, right? I got turtle chocolates, which I love, <laughs> and then, uh, turtle doilies. People would make little doilies wow. stuff. To, so I, I had... So many stuffed turtles, I can't even tell you. And I'd bring them home after the convention. My wife was like, what's with the turtles? Yeah. <laughs> like all these turtles. You know, I have, like I had turtle teapots, turtle mugs, everything. People just give me turtle shirts. And so um, thank you for that. But then I said, I finally, I said, you know what? Instead of turtles, Beckett likes scotch. So that's what he started giving me. <laughs> and, and Joe, when Flanagan says the same thing, you know, he's the Irish and the Scottish, right? And you know, Joe and I share a birthday, right? Yes. And so one of our conventions, one of us will never be get a bottle of scotch. Someone will give us a, as a lovely gift, and we much appreciate it. And Joe's like, Paul, I got my scotch. I'm like, well, thank you very much. I got mine as well. And, you know, we'll, we'll have a wee dram. So, because um, you can't drink the turtles. <laughs> no, you can't drink turtles, definitely. But the scotch is definitely appreciated. Well, there you go. If anyone wants yeah. to know what to get Paul on his birthday, it is scotch. Free yeah, and Joe. And Joe. <laughs> Free Spirit 999, a.k.a. Jen. Question for Paulie. I think this is Jen Kirby. Uh, nice question for Polly. What advice would you give to anyone trying to make it into this industry as a freelancer, novice actor with no training and no agent, uh, especially in COVID right now? What, what steps do you advise that they take? When I remember Jen Kirby, she's lovely. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a tough one. You know, it, it really is in this climate. It's very, very difficult. Uh, I often tell people, I think you have to do, um, as many independent independent projects as you can, like do whatever you, you can find, find groups of like-minded people that start doing short films together and write your own stuff and create, create your work. Don't wait for the phone to ring, create, create, create your work. Um, you know, find people that can, you can do scenes with, try to try to get something off the ground, make a film, especially if you're starting off a little bit older, you know, like you're not like a, a 18 year old or something, you know, which is a little bit easier to get into business. Um, because what you're dealing with, if you start a little bit later, you, you, it's, it's very competitive. You know, you're looking at people with resumes as long as your arm, you know, 
So it's tricky. Yeah. So the best thing is to do it um, as best you can, but always have a backup, you know, because it, it's a tough business. And I never learned until, you know, in the past, I say five years or so, you know, the term they say the business can eat you alive, you know, and I see that, you know, I remember young actresses that I work with and, and actors, for example, you know, that were so passionate and had that sparkle behind their eyes and stuff. Mm. And the business can really beat you down, you know, it can really take it out because it's basically essentially business based on rejection, right? So you have to have a very thick skin and you can't take things personally. And it's very hard not to sometimes because it is you walk in the room and, you know, almost immediately and you ask any producers that have done things and I produce things and I know the feeling, you know, when someone walks in the room immediately you're like, okay, I can see them playing it. Now let's see if they can act, you know, right. because there's a judgment call the second right. you walk in. It's and subjective. It's Casting is subjective. It's completely subjective. And it could be as simple as my eyes are blue and the kid they already cast his eyes are brown. So we need, you know, it can be that. So he's not going to work out because we already got a mom that is, you know, yeah. someone's got to have that type of thing. Um, so you, all you can do is give them a little piece of yourself and, uh, throw it out there, but, um, do as many plays as you can, you know, do as many independent films as you can. Film festivals are a great way to get recognized. If you you know, get your work out there. So people see you and, and just create it. You know, I often tell young actors too, the best way, if you don't have an agent or anything like that, and I, I'm doing this with a friend of mine's son in Toronto right now. Mm. And, uh, what you should do is you should put three, two to three scenes, contrasting scenes, maybe 45 seconds long, not very long, like a comedic scene, a dramatic scene, and something sort of contemporary, basically monologues, to give people an understanding of what, how you can act. Because if you don't have a demo reel and you have no resume and you go to meet an agent, how, how do they know how to sell you? It's like selling a car. You need to know what you have. So you have to educate them. In a sense, you have to show them what you what you got. So you you got to show them a right. comedic monologue, show them a dramatic, show them your range. So when they feel comfortable with submitting you for different things, so they can sell you. So you got to make yourself marketable somehow. And uh, you know that's a that's a great way to get an agent doing that. I mean, it's not a professional demo reel, but again, I would say nine out of ten kids I asked to do that, they don't do it. So that's the thing. When I was young, when I started acting, we didn't have it. I didn't have a demo reel. I memorized three different monologues, and I would go into agents and I would say. Because uh, you don't know what I can do, I say I'm going to do these monologues for you, and the agents be like, "Oh, almost uncomfortable." And I'm like, "I don't care because I, you need to know what I can do." Yeah, I need to show you, you some range, and you need to show me. So I got to show you what I got, you know. And I don't think people these days it, it's very hard. You, you know, that's the easy way out. It's like, no, I'm really, you, you know, if you're a girl, you're really pretty or whatever, or you're a guy and you're really handsome, like that's fine. But like, what what can you do? You know, acting's you have to see you do something, so you got to show them something. And that's how I did it. And nowadays with the technology, you can put little scenes together and almost make a demo reel look really good and then show mm. them that, but make it short because people have very small attention spans. That's my um, advice. That's true too. Yeah. Very nice. You're- Thank you, Paul. Three you're people, welcome. Easy Sparky, Sife DK, Shannon Richardson. If they want to ask you about, uh, maybe you maybe you can guess what three people would be asking you about from the show. A very, um, very... Uh, Maybe difficult scene that you had to film with David Hewlett. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> was that it. Cheeky hard cheeky. to film? Were you laughing a lot? Was David good oh, at the it? Crew was laughing a lot. Uh... <laughs> the kiss scene Listen, in duet is yeah, what I'm referring I know, to. I know what you're talking. I'm, about. No, not for you, the <laughs> audience. Everyone oh, else, the audience. Like, what was he talking about? Yeah, what was like, oh, how's that scene? <laughs> so what happened there was Martin Giro, 
<laughs> wrote that episode. Um, uh, the very talented Martin Guerrero, who's got like about 10 shows on the air. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Um, he's killing it. Uh, but it was a really funny episode. Let's be honest. It was really great. And uh, so I'll say the only action Beckett ever got was from Hewlett. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I get kissed by David. I'm like, great. Uh, Perna so, came pretty close, but yeah. Yeah, Perna came close, except you died in my arms. I, I um, know. Yeah, I can't wait I know, to talk about that. that. Cut holes. Yeah. But uh, the thing is, Martin came up. He goes, you know, this episode, I'm going to do it sort of like, um, uh, you know, David's going to go into your, into this girl's body who has kind of a crush on you. And then Cadman. And then, you know, as her, he's going to kiss you. I'm like, what? And he goes, Oh, David's fine with it. You know, and if you're, you guys are good friends and stuff like that. And I'm like, really? He's okay. So, okay. I mean, it was funny. I was like, read it. And, you know, then he goes into David's trailer and says the same thing. You know, I do this episode and he's like, what? And he goes, you know, Paul, Paul's fine with it. Cause it's you. And he's like, Oh, is he okay? So then, you know, he told both of us, we had like, fine. Great. But the crew that day, we're, we're walking around. They knew we were going to film the scene. We're walking around going, oh, I smell some romance in the air. You know? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And then during the rehearsal for it, I have a lab coat on the scene. Yeah. And the rehearsal usually go half speed, right? You don't go full out in the rehearsal. So we're doing the rehearsal, and I'm like, I don't expect David to kiss me, um, you know, until the thing. Just during the rehearsal, he just grabs me and plants me in the mouth. I'm like, ah! And he was like, he's like, sorry, sorry, Paul, you just need to get that over with. I'm like, oh. <laughs> the first one's always the worst. Like, Thanks. <laughs> so, but it was really a funny, funny scene. And um, he does have lips like sandpaper uh, <laughs> and uh, holotosis. But besides that, um, yeah, no, that was a really funny scene. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, from what I've heard, it was one of the first guy on guy kisses in sci-fi yeah it's so, earlier so. for sure yeah tammy paquin uh question for paul okay of course uh do you know if uh carson has inspired has anyone ever come up to you and said uh carson inspired them to go into medicine yes i've had that several times actually really yeah. several times yes and i've met many little kids named carson too which is really yes. sweet well, um, you know, like it's such a cool name too, you know. Yeah. Uh, we actually thought about it for for my son, but you know, that'd be kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, but no, if people have come up to you really inspired me to go into medicine, you know, and I was like, that's really that's amazing, you know. Uh, and it's happened several times actually, and their doctors talking to me now. I'm like, that's amazing. She goes, I just wanted to tell you that. I'm like, well, thank you. That's, as you know, I wish I was as smart as you were, but you know, I have a brother who's a doctor, and so I often during Stargate, I. When I get the, you know, the crazy medical alien jargon, I'd be like, oh, my God. I'd call Mike up, and he does a good Scottish accent, too. i go, Mike, what does this mean? You can say it with a Scottish accent, please. And, yeah. you know, so he'd do that yeah. for me. But, yeah, no, I have had that happen, yes. Ah. Tammy Paquin. Yeah. Uh, no, excuse me. Uh, Chuck Vance. Did you okay. get – did you ever uh, take any props or costumes home? Not as much as Jason Momoa did. Um, you know, Jason has my chair back. He <laughs> does. Somewhere. Yeah, he does. He took it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, what am I going to say? <laughs> um, he also has about a hundred swords, I think. Uh, I had a couple things. I have my costume from the very first season. Ah. Um, I have that. Uh, and that's pretty cool. And I have one of the earpieces. I have one of the earpieces. Yeah. The, yeah. There. The earwigs. Yeah. Little, little metal and plastic. They're really cool. Yeah. I have one of those. Um, and a few other little things, but not that much. No, but I do have the costume and it's in plastic and I haven't taken it out ever. So 
you know the the, the with the yellow with the yellow on it and the Scottish flag. Right, exactly. And the Scottish that's great. They gave that, which is really nice. Yeah. Mike Bailey and Michael MC. Paul, uh, if you could pick one episode as your favorite, and I always frame this like, you know, if you're going to watch one, you know, which which would you pick? But they asked what your favorite episode was. Oh God, there's so many of my favorites. I mean, you know, l- listen, for me as an actor, I think Poison the Well because it was really um, a heavy episode for Becca. And there's a lot of comedy when I'm walking through the, we have that huge monologue going through and then they get the, the serious stuff with Perna. You know, mm. I always thought Irresistible is a really funny episode because it's nice to see all the characters out of their regular, especially Tori. Yeah. She was so funny. You know, she got, she's so stoic a lot in the show and it was a really chance for her to blossom. She's such a fine actress. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. And the pilot was really cool too. I got to say, because it was just the feeling of like, this is crazy. I mean, this is huge. When you get onto that Atlantis set and for some of you may have had a chance to have a set tour back in the day, it was, it's, it's quite special. It's quite spectacular set, you know, and to get on there and then, you know, Robert Patrick's in the scene and then Richard Dean Anderson is there and Michael Shanks and yeah. all the, the cast from SG one, you know, um, were around, you're like, this is really special. So kind of sentimental, uh, feeling for me and the amount of background performers they had, it was just, I was like, Holy crap, this is big. You know, this is, this is, this isn't going away anytime soon. You know, it was very, <laughs> very special. Um, that, but, uh, yes, I guess poisoning well and, irresistible duet was really funny i mean memorable in a kind of a weird way but um but yeah that's i guess there's three that kind of step out for me a little bit the pilot being one part one and two absolutely so. yeah that's yeah. it's it's a it's a pretty big carson show the pilot is so lauren it's nichols fun, yeah. what do you think clone carson is up to now that atlantis has been to earth um or do you think he returned to pegasus to continue his work well, you know, I, I would I would think he's waiting to see where to go. You know, what I mean, he's not, and not stuck in San Francisco Bay. I I, I would mm. think uh, I, I would definitely think he's still practicing medicine. You know, or or, or he's moved on to to uh, maybe teach at a university or something like that in medicine. I could see him doing something like that as well. You know, that sort of thing. And that are either you know trapped on an island with uh, Swedish models. <laughs> I'm not sure though. <laughs> being no, uh, being a field medic happen. is not easy, you know, and a doctor yeah, exactly. going from planet to planet. I mean, unless yeah. he's got his own puddle jumper, and we know he can fly one, yeah. you know, that'd be a well, pain in the ass. Know, the part, he did have a chance to get out there, you know, which yeah. is great. And, and I love that that they, that Beck got to go on, you know, a lot of the trips, which is really fun for me too, you know. And you know, it's nice to get away from the base, you know. So that was a lot of fun for me. Hellcats, did you enjoy working on Star Trek 2009? I did. You know, um, that was an amazing opportunity. You know, uh, initially, as many of you, I think, know, I was in, in sort of in the mix for Scotty. And uh, thanks to many of the Stargate fans who pumped that up. Um, and that didn't go my way. Obviously, uh, Simon Pegg played a fa- fabulous actor. But, uh, you know, and funny about that, because uh, Chris Doohan, um, James Doohan's son, mm-hmm. uh who I've never met before, their family publicly endorsed me to play Scotty for that movie. I did not and, know that, Paul. That's fantastic. What yeah, an honor. I didn't know that. I, you didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't. So, if you look, you can find it. You look it up. You'll see it. Okay. And um, and, and I was like, well, he said this guy's got a great Scottish accent. And I do kind of have a, very much a resemblance to his father back in the day. Yeah. So um, I was like, well, this is great. And then I put the scene on tape and stuff like that. And then I was down in L.A. at the time. And um, April Webster was a casting director. Lovely asked for me to come in and see her and we had a chat and she's like, you know, we, we have such a, you know, again, the Stargate, you know, you have a crazy fan base and they, they, they love you. And I said, yeah, and she goes, would you, you know, be interested in being on the show? I'm like, of course. I mean, you know, I would love to have played Scotty, you know, 
And she goes, well, if that doesn't work out, is there anything else you'd rather? I go, listen, I would love to be on any part of the show and huge J.J. Abrams fan, you know? Yeah. Anyway, a week or two goes by and I was driving back up to Vancouver to do a play and I had found out actually just before that that I didn't get the role. And I was like, okay, what, what are you going to do? I mean, that's how right. it goes. And it's, it's the business. Yeah. I've gotten lots and not gotten lots. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah. Um, but while I was driving, I was in Oregon, I believe, and my manager called and said, listen, uh, we got a call from um, casting and JJ was off office. They want to offer you something on the Star Trek movie. I'm like, what? Uh, what is it? And they said, well, they can't tell you until you say yes. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> so of course. So I did it. And I got to do a little cameo yeah. uh, being on Star Trek. And it was uh, an amazing opportunity to, to meet JJ. And I got there. And the first eight days, I believe his name was Tommy. And he works with JJ all the time. He's Scottish. And he goes, oh, you're Paul for God's sake, man. I mean, I heard so much about you. Thank you so much for doing this. And then I come and meet JJ. And I walk in and we're shooting this scene. Um, for somebody that may have not seen the movie, it's in a I, enormous, the biggest room I've ever been in where they build blimps, right? It's massive. And there's all these spaceships. And I'm like, holy crap. And they, they, they had me in um, a covered golf cart with a costume. Everything was very secretive. You know, you had all these non-disclosures and didn't want anybody to see the costumes. And they shuttled me right into the thing. And I, I got to meet JJ. And he was like, Paul, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Come check out the spaceship. So I walk around. I'm like, I'm walking around with him. He was such a down-to-earth guy, you know? I'm like, this is amazing. And I go, oh, it's my pleasure, you know? And um, I'll tell you a funny story about, about this. It was a real pleasure to do it, um, to be on that, that show. But what happened was um, uh, there's another girl. Her name is Lisa Vitale, I think. She had the similar thing that, that I that called all these names, you know, of, of Kirk and, and, um, and McCoy and say all the different ships that they're on, right? And yes. I, I can't even remember the names, but a lot of them were like, you know, like sort of the, you know, USSR, some had like Russian names and some had different, you know, Japanese names and stuff. Yeah. And Lisa Vidal, she was, she was uh, giving everyone their duty assignments. Right. So splitting I, them off into the shuttlecraft to go and up to the different ships. So I was first and it was one of the first days of shooting. Right. So what happened is um, on my dialogue, they had a huge camera that was on the other end of the room. I would start talking and slowly everyone from all the ships, like 400 background performers, as soon as I started talking, everyone would exit the ships and stuff. So the action would go on me talking. So they're trying to time the talking where the camera comes right up to me, you know, after a long period of time. And then Kirk, I leave and then Kirk comes up and is seeing, or he didn't call my name or whatever, you know. So, so I'm reading the names and like cut, everyone has to go back into place. I'm like, okay, I better not mess this up, right? So I'm saying all the names. So what happens is um, they kept on changing the names around and the order. And it's not like you're acting because you're just reading a list, right? So what happened is like, I go, I goes, oh, there's no problem. Get, I'll give you a grease pen. JJ tells me this. And we'll put it on this plastic, um, it's like a glass sort of um, tablet. And you can just read the names. And if we change the order of it, because we're just, we're, it's all about timing, right? And I'm like, okay, no problem. This is great. And I'll just read off, like as if I'm reading off, but, you know, which I am. So what happens is it gets really close to the end. And we cut and JJ comes over and he goes, um, we got a little issue. I'm like, what is it? And he goes, we can kind of see the grease pen on the glass that you're writing. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, what? And he's like, um, so uh, can you um, can you do it without looking at it? I'm like, what? I'm like, can you keep on changing the order of the names? I'm like, oh my God, no, I can't. I'm like, I don't know. So I'm panicking and Lisa's over there. She's like going, what did they tell you? And she's, she did the same thing. I'm like, oh my God. 
I don't know these names. And then keep on changing the order. I can barely even say them, right? Because like I said, it's not like I'm acting. I'm reading a list. Yeah, you're literally part. reading a list at this point. Yeah. yeah. And thankfully, at that point in time, my eyes weren't bad. So I had pretty good eyes. So all I could think of, went back to my school days, I wrote a tiny little cheat sheet, a little paper. And I'd write the name is really small on this paper. And I had my hand there. I was reading all that. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, okay, whatever you need to do. I'm like, great. Any part of the storm. Continue. And then, then the scene continues, and I'm actually talking with you know, you know, with, with uh, Chris Pine, right? And yeah. it was that was fine. That part's fine. It's the list I couldn't do, so I, I I get it, thank God. And I'm reading off this little thing. So that's what happened in that scene. I have that little scene. I'm if you watch it, I'm reading off this little piece of paper that's hidden behind my fingers, <laughs> thankfully. And I'd, I'd have to change it all the time. And Lisa was doing the same thing, and I like I haven't seen her since. A lovely lady. I'm like, yeah. both of us. Were like, oh my God. So for something that was that small, it was the most stressful thing I've ever done as an actor because all these people are counting on you to get these lines out, right? Or words. Anyway, yeah, that's my you story. Are, that. uh, it was a pleasure to work on that. It is a, that was a big blockbuster. And it's just like, you know, it was cool. yeah. they have these, these bigger projects that you get to work on. And, you know, the TV is, is very fast. And oh, yeah. even with yeah. movies, you know, there's a lot riding on it. Like you had 400 extras in one scene, you know, and you have to hit your marks. And if you yes. miss, they have you to reset. Could- there's a lot of money involved. You got to be on your game. That's the only scene we shot that day. I think you know it was like a big wow. scene, it took a long time. Yeah, and it was uh, quite amazing. You know, exciting to be part of that franchise in any sort of capacity. You know, and so my point being, later on, um, I went to a because of that, I went to a Star Trek convention. Yeah, two years ago in Vegas, and I met Chris Duhan, and we had a couple of beers together. And he goes, "I just want to introduce myself." And he's a, such a lovely guy, and it was such a pleasure to have met him. You know, and uh, and worked with him. And I've been fortunate enough, JJ uh, did Fringe as well. He has been, yes. And I had, I had a nice guest star on Fringe and um, and another pilot he did up here. I mean, I'd love to. He's the kind of guy that uh, you you understand how why he's so successful because he's such a humble and brilliant guy and uh, just a pleasure to be uh, to be part of anything he does. So it was cool. Not a valid name says, do you uh, keep in touch with anyone specific from the cast of Atlantis? Well, I see because I'm in Vancouver and Jewel's in Vancouver, so I see Jewel a right. lot, and we're very tight friends. Uh, I talked to David not that long ago, Hewlett. Uh, David Nickel, I, I see yeah. sometimes as well. Listen, when we do the conventions, we see them all, and we're all very friendly. Tori, I, lo- I love her, you know, and Jason Momoa. I mean, he, I think he's doing okay these days. I'm not sure. I don't know, man. I haven't seen or heard from him. Oh my um, God, I worked, I worked on Frontier with Jason ah. um, a couple years back in Newfoundland. It was amazing. We didn't have any scenes together, unfortunately, but I hung out with him and yeah. uh, just loved the guy. So I couldn't be happier for him. I talked to I talked to Joe not that long ago, Flanagan. He gave me a call, and that's a, that's a great thing. People will say, you know, how the conventions. I love seeing all the fans, but it's a great chance for us to catch up and see our castmates as well. Correct. And we we had a very tight group, you know, and 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 really especially tight with SG One cast as well. Um, uh, you know, with uh, David and Chris and Amanda and everybody, you know, um, with Michael and. You know, and seeing RDA the odd time is always great too. But um, it, it was just a special time. And any chance to get it, we always go out for dinner. Like we're in Chicago, we always go out for a dinner together. It's it's just it's great. And, and get a chance to see Rainbow. I was in Australia with Rainbow not too long ago. Mm. It was amazing. Teresa McAllister, if the Stargate really existed, would you go through it? Are you Scottish, Teresa McAllister? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, would I? Uh, no. <laughs> no okay i'm a bit of a scurdy cat right okay like i will never catch me watching a scary movie ever 
Like people are like, have you seen it? I'm like, no, and I never will. And I won't go any scary rides or anything like that. For me, it's like, <laughs> like uh, the kids go to the amusement park. I won't get it. Like, I can go a roller coaster if it's not too big. If it goes upside down, I'm out. Like, there's really? Not you no. don't invert yourself, huh? Okay. Anything that spins, I'll throw up on immediately. Uh, so things like that, I can't do. Um, so uh, the idea of going through a gate, I'm, as intriguing it is to some people, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Russell Baldwin. Uh, did Carson Rodney's friendship come about organically uh, through scripts or uh, through the two of you as actors, or a common actors, actors, or a combination of both? I think a combination of both. I think you know, uh, in the pilot, you know, uh, there's that funny line at the end when he's eating the chicken, you know, it's like lemon or whatever it is, like a. You got to get out more. I'm like, in another planet, how much more can you get? Exactly. You know, another galaxy. Just, yeah. Another galaxy, how much more can you get? We're watching you know, Taylor and John touch bump heads and stuff. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and we're both like, I think at that point in time, we both kind of looked at each other and said, oh, we're kind of like, um, not, not like the lovable losers in this, <laughs> this show, you know, to a certain degree, right? You know, John, the hero guy, gets all the girls and everything. And we're kind of looking over at him and I'm like, oh, good. Oh, come on, can't meet friends like that. <laughs> you, know, that sort of <laughs> you need to get out more. And, and Rodney was sort of in the same boat, I think, a lot right? of times. I think not very good, you know, in, in certain areas, right? So I think, and obviously as it grew, the writers kind of picked up on the fact that we were jamming pretty good together as actors. And I think they just wrote more for us, you know. And I, I think, you know, a lot of the relationships blossomed from the performances and also the writing. And uh, I think we had a really strong cast and everyone had their, brought their own unique flavor to the table. It was definitely um, a show built on relationships and um, the dynamics between everyone, in my opinion, is what kept it interesting. A lot of people, I mean, it was much more of an action show than SG-1 or Universe were, but uh, the characters are really what what kept me coming back as far as as a fan. Um, Where did I buy you? Oh, uh, Shantae Leo. uh, Tell us about how you became involved in Sanctuary. Well, Sanctuary, that was, Sanctuary was a lot of fun. Um, uh, they asked me to come and do, uh, do Sanctuary. And for me, uh, looking at the character who was the complete dichotomy of Beckett, you know, yeah. Wexford. This, like, Wexford, that's half, right. Yeah. Half lizard, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, really, really crazy. Uh, you know, com- complete opposite of Beckett. So for an actor, you know, I, I'm, I'm very much a character actor. I like playing like lots of different things. And I've had been be very fortunate in my career to be able to play lots of different characters. And that was a really great character, you know, that, that um, you know, I got the opportunity to play. And, and Amanda and Martin, um, you know, welcomed me to the set. You know, it was really nice to, to work on that. And, of course, I, I think in season, I'm not sure, maybe three, Wexford takes over the sanctuary, you know. From, uh, from Amanda's character, you mm-hmm. know, so that was pretty cool uh, to play a character like that, really creepy looking. Um, prosthetics were odd, you know, and a lot of green screen in that show, so very different. But yeah, they asked me to come and uh, and work on the show, and I had I think I did four or five episodes, so it was cool. Yeah. Well, uh, the Fred wants to know about filming the scene on the pier with David for Sunday. Was that the last scene yeah. shot? Was it in the mix of the shots? Do you recall? I think that had it, to have been pretty I, heavy. It was very heavy. And I can't remember if it was the last scene. It's a good question. No, I think the very last thing we did was the uh, uh, when all of us were lined up on the balcony. Mm. 
that's the not, last oh I, i'm talking not talking about the the series finale i'm talking about the uh the scene in sunday with you and oh, david on sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, you know i'm i'm not sure i can't remember if it was the very last scene we shot in that episode what the crazy part is about i don't know if you guys know this but I shot that episode and then we went back and I shot two other episodes after that okay. that aired before Sunday. Okay. So I had done that. And then of course, when I come back and shoot the other episodes, which will air before Sunday, um, the crew was like dead man walking. Um, so I, I did that, you know, uh, cause they had to shoot for whatever reason, out of sequence or, you know, on that, but that was a very, uh, sad scene, heartfelt. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it was a sad scene. That's all I got to say. I mean, it was really, uh, an emotional scene for me, you know, you, you, you kind of like, like Becca, I think I wear my heart in my sleeve a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you know, it, it was sad, like leaving that show. And then, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and you know, your best friend on the show and it, it's just a sad, beautifully written scene. I, you know, I, I try not to take things personally, especially in, in business situations, but sometimes you just can't help it. You know, even if it's, for the greater good of a show, they want to shake it up a little bit. They want to do something different. Part of you, part of me at least, wouldn't. Part of me, part of me would be like, was there something that I could have offered differently? You know, did I miss the boat somehow? Um, you, I would think that part of you wouldn't be able to help but take it a little personally. Yeah, well, it's hard not to, you know, when you're in a situation like that. I mean, especially when you invest so much into it, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough. You're kind of like, why me? But at the same time, um, uh, you look back and you are thankful for the opportunity, you, you know, uh, that you had. And to be part of a, a show like that and do, you know, 70 episodes on, on a show like mm. that. And then and then the, the most amazing part of all of it is, you know, the Save Carson Beckett campaign. Oh, my gosh. Out. Yes. Right down and to the it, bagpipe band. Yeah, and I was in Los Angeles at the time. I remember yeah. my brother said, you're on the news. There's news stations covering the footage of a busload of fans in the pouring rain coming out and the girls flashing their, their bums, you know, saying <laughs> save personal yeah. underwear. And then, you know, and, and I'm, you know, David came out and spoke to them. I think Martin Giro did and yes. some other Jason did, yeah. And, and talked to them, you know. And you're kind of like, holy smokes, you make that kind of an impact on something. It's really special, you know. And I think that's what I said before. It's one of those shows that makes a special impact, and that's why I think they're, they're still the, the fan base is so amazing, you know, with it. You know, it's just uh, it's incredible to uh, to think that you could have that much of an impact on somebody that they would, you know, have a pipe band rally outside of the studio for your character, right. you know. And then, you know, for me, coming back was more of a, a win for those people that put yeah. themselves out there for me. And that, that's what I, I feel like uh, he represents the, the people. You know what I mean? You know, I and, uh, you know, and there's a lot of heart in the character, you know, and I think uh, the people felt like, you know, some of that was taken away. And then when he came back, I think I really, I felt really great for those people that had, had honored me by doing those things and the, say, the t-shirts and the mugs and all that stuff. And it was just, you know, I was blown away by it and still am, you know, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Start the, the sci-fi fan base is pretty darn loyal. You know, they'll follow you. As I've said before on the show, they'll follow, they'll follow you to the bitter end. So Thomas, I, I know. Thomas M, uh, any ad libbing that stands out in your mind that, that you were able to do? Were they, were they, did they have, you have to run it up the flagpole or what's, oh, Thomas, how was it on Thomas, Thomas. There's a very much <laughs> we had them all the time. I mean, towards obviously, hey, when the writing's that great, you, you can little 
pop little things here and there at the end, but we, we, we had a great opportunity um, to add them quite a bit at the ends of scenes. We'd add little tags here and there and do all kinds of different things, you know, um, which, you know, uh, it's always fun, you know, at the end, you add little, you know, and for Beckett, I have a lot of Beckettisms, you know, because because <laughs> the Scottish, you can add these things, you know, um, so that the writers are like, thank you, because they're not Scottish, they're like, thank yeah. you for, you know, throwing that little tail in. Some of them they keep, some of them they don't. Yeah. Like, you know, the thing, where, like I said, with the blowing the nose with Joe, I mean, they didn't keep that, but, you know, I just threw that in there, you know, and sometimes they go, come, that's great. Like, you, sometimes you get gold and sometimes you don't, you know, but um, they were, they would keep the cameras rolling a lot. And, uh, you know, we do lots of fun things and have like, many, many opportunities like that to do, to do fun things, you know, so as you can imagine. Ian, uh, last question. Ian wanted to know, uh, there is some information out there online about the 200th episode that you were supposed to be Scotty in the Star Trek sketch. Yeah. Brad Wright plays him in 200. Can you shed any light on that? Do you recall this? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, It didn't work. We had a scheduling conflict and it didn't work out for me to to play that part, unfortunately. Um, And Brad jumped in. Brad has a Scottish background. Yeah. And he came in and he knocked it out of the park. He was great. Um, I didn't have an, I didn't, uh, couldn't do it uh, on the day and uh, it didn't work out. Unfortunately, uh, I wish it would have uh, cause it would have been a blast, but um, yeah, sometimes these things work out. Cause I was, we were shooting Lances at the same time. Ah, uh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. I always thought that yeah. that was Brad. So he, he did a pinch hit. So. Yeah. Yeah. He jumped and Brad had never been on the show before. He had so, been in it for the 100th episode, Wormhole Extreme. Oh, was he? Okay. Mm-hmm. But th- th- was that he, was it. Yeah. He's so with Michael Greenberg he, at the end. Oh, really? Okay. And then, and then, but he, you know, and to play a Scottish character, he came in and he has a really good Scottish accent. So yes, he um, did. <laughs> yeah, you know, he does. He has a great Scottish accent. So, and he, and he uh, I thought he did a great job, you know? Um, and I, I wish I would have been able to do that for him, but uh, it didn't work out. You know, you can't can't and, and this is this is just true about life you can't be everything for everyone and be there for every opportunity but you know what being asked is still cool as well so yeah so my friend i appreciate you coming on and joining me this has been an absolute delight so well you know what it's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you david you know so much about the, the franchise and you're a huge part of it too so i appreciate your time and uh and everybody for asking the great questions thank you and uh uh, as I often do these things and when I do panels and, and many people know, I always get kind of like choked up a little bit because it, it brings back a lot of great memories mm-hmm. and choked up in a good way because it was such a, a great time and a great experience in my life and the opportunity to meet many of you out there and travel. And hopefully we'll have all have a chance to do that sometime soon. Who knows? Knock on wood, you know, keep safe and wear your mask and all that jazz, you know, I mean, just be, be safe and take care of yourselves. And hopefully I'll get a chance to see everybody sometime soon. Conventions will be back. Yeah. We just have so. to figure these things out first. So Exactly, right? And yeah. I uh, hope to have you back on the show in 2021, my friend. This has been wonderful. I'm so always there for everybody. You Thank take you. care of those little ones. You guys stay safe, and I'll be in touch with you really soon, okay? God bless you, you cheeky buggers. <laughs> you take care, man. Be well. Bye, guys. Bye. Paul McGillian, everyone. Dr. Carson Beckett of Stargate Atlantis. It's no accident that I had... Um, uh, Paul on at this time. Dean Devlin is coming up at uh, the top of the hour, two o'clock Pacific time. And there was, uh, you know, Paul had agreed to do the show and I'm looking at the content and I'm looking at the schedule and, you know, everything else that's, that's supposed to be coming up today. And it's like, I need someone who's going to 
put me at ease <laughs> before I bring in Dean Devlin, um, who is, I mean, amazingly chill and everything else. But I've, I mean, he's, he's one of my idols. And it was like, I can bring in Paul. Paul will put me at ease. So I reached out to Paul last week and said, he said, I'm there. So thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate all of you joining me for this episode. I think we had about uh, 250 people at the peak on this show. So that's pretty fantastic. So thank you all for joining. And the show has, I will discuss the analytics of the show at some point in the future. I'll have an episode specifically where we go over the numbers because I want people to see and I want the powers that be to see that Stargate is alive and well throughout the world and that content like this is working. Um, So we will be breaking down uh, the analytics, but we just passed uh, 2,000 subscribers yesterday and we haven't even been on the air for three weeks so that's to you thank you so much for that that means a great deal to me so uh, if you enjoy this episode it would mean a lot if you would give us a click for the like button and it makes a difference with youtube's algorithm as we've seen and is helping the show to grow its audience please also consider sharing this video with a stargate friend and if you want to get notified about future episodes click the subscribe icon if you plan to watch live i recommend giving the bell icon a click as well so that you'll be the first to know of any schedule changes which will happen uh and bear in mind clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days in both the dial the gate and gateworld.net youtube channels That's all she wrote for this episode. We will be joining uh, Dean Devlin at the top of the hour, the co-writer of Stargate the movie and producer of Stargate the movie. So be ready for your questions. I know, uh, um, uh, ready with your questions. I know a number of you who are on the live stream who are planning on switching over. Uh, A note on that, I will not be taking questions for Dean from fans regarding the TV franchise. He had no involvement in it. It is not his project. So if you submit that question, uh, a question, the moderators have been instructed not to provide me uh, those questions. Uh, It's it's a courtesy to Dean. Uh, For context, I will be asking him one question in relation to the TV franchise so that everyone will have some context as to that relationship. But otherwise, keep your questions to his movie his projects and the uh, Stargate projects that he wanted to create. So just out of respect for him. All right, folks, I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you again to Paul McGillian. Thank you again to Summer and Ian for moderating. And we will be seeing you really shortly. I'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner, co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com.